Coming to you from Minneapolis, Minnesota. A conversation about the great and sometimes not so great outdoors. I'm your host, Lynn Melling. And I'm Jody Gruen. And we do this for fun. Hey, it's Lynn. And it's Jody, And we are here today with someone who I have been following from some time and have been um, excited to get on here ever since we started this little podcast journey. His name is Mike Kempenick, and he's also known as the Gentleman Forager. How civilized does that sound? I love that so much. So foraging and gentleman. Wow. Gentlemanly foraging. Oh my gosh. Yes. He's an exotic mushroom cultivator, forager, instructor, and wild foods distributor from, of course, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, He's a leader in locavore dining, wild foraging, and vertical urban farming movements. He's dedicated to propagating top quality specialty products and delivers, like you wouldn't believe, a product that's incredible and experiences that are top notch. I've been to um, one of his events before and people, this is something you got to experience either. I'm going on my first foraging trip with Mike. He doesn't know it yet. Um, next month. And um, I have been to some of his events and they're incredible, incredible, incredible and fun things to do. So welcome, Mike. Thank you for being here. And we do this for fun. Well, thanks so much for having me, guys. I just love this idea so much about, okay, so this, you know, this podcast is about being outside, the great outdoors, and this idea that you can just like venture outdoors and find food on the trail. <laughs> and, you know, like I, I'm not a gardener. I'm not, this is totally outside my wheelhouse. And it's fascinating to me to think that this is actually a thing and you can do it. it like you don't have to go very far even to do this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's it's one of those um, pastimes or, or recreations or sports or however you want to identify it that you can, you know, you can really, anybody can do it from eight to 80. You don't have to spend a bunch of money on equipment. If you have a pair of shoes and, a, and you can rummage a basket from somewhere, uh, you know, you're, you're good to go. And to your point, yeah, I find it really interesting how many people that are first time people, especially who come on our trips and are not, maybe they got brought by their husband or their wife or their significant other. And one of them is really into it. And one of them's not really into it at all. Uh, but by the end of that experience, they, they decided that, Oh, gee, you know, that was a lot more fun than I anticipated. It's uh, the thrill of the hunt, I think appeals to yeah. all. Yeah. Oh I mean, gosh, it's like, totally. it's like going on a, it's like going on a hike, but then going on a scavenger hunt. But then the things that you find in your scavenger hunt are things that you can like go home and cook up for dinner. It's a bonus, right? (laughs) Like how often do you get bonuses in life that involve food? That's uh, that's a good one. Yeah. One of my my favorite stories about this um, is I think about seven or eight years ago, I was uh, doing one of our annual events called the Lobster Mushroom Jamboree. And we bring about 50 people up to some remote area in the north woods of Minnesota and they, you know, forage for the weekend. And we bring up some, some bands to play music at night and some chefs from town to cook for us. And it's just a really fun uh, weekend. And we look forward to them every year. Well, this year, uh, a guy by the name of uh, Roy Olson. Hi, Roy. <laughs> uh, comes <laughs> along with his wife and, and they're walking up and it's myself standing there with um, 
a buddy of mine uh, who works at Urban Eatery as their chef, uh, Gary. And uh, he says, as he's approaching us, hey, I don't like mushrooms and I don't like foo-foo food. <laughs> and he has this sort of like scowl on his face, you know, and he says, it's my wife's birthday present. That's why I'm here. And uh, we, Gary and I both sort of chuckled. Anyway, long story short, uh, Roy has now been uh, working as a part-time forager for me for several years and decided that foraging is a true passion of his in his life. So, you know, another example of somebody who, who never imagined that he would have any interest in it, let alone becoming one of his central pastimes in life. So uh, given, I think for most people, after they spend that time, uh, they realize kind of more about what it's about. It's a, it's a broader experience than they were expecting. I could totally identify with that. I would say from 10 years ago, I would have never thought that I enjoy would enjoy going through the woods and kind of going on this hunt and this like, you know, and then the excitement that you experience when you find something or the disappointment potentially, but then you just want to keep going and going and going. It's, and I also too, I don't know if you feel this way, but um, the, it's kind of a meditative experience too. Like it just, it's like, it's so purposeful and you just quiet your mind and quiet, you know, your surroundings and really concentrate. And I just, I don't know, I found some peace in the woods that I have never experienced before, just kind of trying and I'm novice. Yeah. It's, I know. mean, it's very, it's very cathartic. I, I like, um, you know, for me, when I got into this, uh, of course, that's kind of the most common question I get from folks is, gee, how did you ever get into this? But the second most common question is, so you do this full time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, really, I was looking, I had spent 20 years in business, uh, you know, had a successful career, but realized that I just, I really didn't want to do it anymore. And and, and I, the, the longer it went on, the more I was thinking about it, the more I just, I just really didn't want to go back to it. I wanted to have a more purposeful life. Um, and I was thinking about ways that I could do something that I was passionate about that could provide, you know, the ability to do that. Um, and I think the time, as you mentioned, that I spend in the woods every week, basically from July through the end of October, I'm in the woods, you know, three to five days a week. And when I say the woods, I mean, very remote areas where you're, you're never going to come into contact with anybody other than, other than somebody with fur, um, <laughs> And yeah, having that time, uh, that alone time, that quiet time <clears throat> to, to, to be with your own thoughts and, and, uh, and away from the cities and all of the distractions that come with that is just really priceless. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's, it's something I, I just, you know, by the time we're done with winter, it's, I'm just going nuts because it's like a kid waiting to get back to Disney World, you know? Yeah. Okay, I have to ask, can you tell us like wh where your secret spots are or <laughs> in general? I mean, where when you're going off into the woods, do you have just a general area? I mean, are you up north or are you? I mean, I'm not really. I, I really am following the rains. You know, mm -hmm. I'm keeping track of where what areas of the state are getting the most rainfall and weather conditions that would be helpful to fungi. And um, and that's generally where I'm plotting my next moves. Um, but you know, I mean, I think that's one of the really interesting things about mushrooms that most people are unaware of is that they, mushrooms are everywhere. And I mean, mm -hmm. everywhere from Antarctica to, you know, to Alaska, everywhere in between. We even have a mushroom that grows underwater. Um, really? So there, are, you know, it is a, 
an absolute hinge pin to the carbon life cycle of Earth. And without fungi, life would not exist. Um, and it's yeah. it's whether whether people know it or not, it is under your feet everywhere you go, uh, doing what it does best and returning all of that carbon to the life cycle and and breaking down all of that organic material that would otherwise pile up to to the stars. So, okay, well, let's come back to that in a second. But I, so when we talk about foraging for people like me who know absolutely nothing about this, so is it mostly mushrooms or what is it that you're finding out? Like, what is, what is it that you're foraging? What are those plants that you, are are you mostly focused on mushrooms or are there other tasty treats out there that you're looking for? We, I mean, we like to say we, we, you know, one of our catchphrases is we deliver products of the woods and waters. So it could be anything. It could be anything from wild rice to wild berries to wild plants, tubers, mushrooms. I mean, really anything that you might find in the forest that is edible and delicious, um, we're we're interested in. I myself um, specialize in mushrooms. I have a a fair knowledge of many other things, but I I wouldn't call myself an expert in everything. Um, I do have um, a fairly new business partner working with me now goes by the the name chick of the woods and if you know mushrooms at all i thought that was a funny funny Mm -hmm. name when i first met her because there's a mushroom everybody likes called chicken of the woods um and so she's more of a plant expert which is awesome uh so together uh we have a lot of fun out there and and showing people uh, just as you're saying there's there's so much out there um people are really surprised that uh you know, if you're going out this time of the year and forward for the next several months, um, if you know what you're looking for, you're not going to go hungry. Yeah. Mm. So can you talk about the, the the importance of knowing what you're looking for? Because I think it's, I just worry that I would pick like a poisonous mushroom and, you yeah. know, so like you really do need to be, I mean, you know, don't do this at home folks. If you don't know what you're doing, right? Like there needs, you need to really understand what you're looking for and not put something into your mouth that might make you sick because that's something I worry that I would do. (laughs) It it is interesting. Um, if, if you're active on social media, like I am within a lot of these mushroom community groups and and our own, um, it's really, it's always been very humorously interesting to me. How many people seem to be willing to eat something that could (laughs) harm them or kill them? Um, (laughs) I'm not, when it comes to mushrooms, I'm not exactly sure what's behind that, but it constantly, I'm seeing people like, I, I got to try it. I really want to try it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, or they're like, I, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Uh, and I, I just, I don't know. I kind of shake my head and I think, wow, there's few other things in life that somebody could hand you and go, Hey, this could harm you. <laughs> Yes. You want to give it a shot? You know, nobody would say yes to that. But for some reason, when you're traversing the woods for a long time and you finally find something that you think yep. is what it is you've been looking for, people feel very compelled to take it to the end and consume it. <laughs> but I do it, folks. Tend to, um, I was grabbing things too. Like, I was like, I think that's what this is, you know? And then I, I brought it home and I was like, could we ask your cut, my husband? Like, your cousin, <laughs> I think he posted this. I think it was this, but I mean, it was, yeah, it's a terrible idea. Terrible, yeah, terrible I, idea. You know, and I, I don't like to go too far the other way either, which is, uh, you know, tr- part of what I try and do in, in, in our classes is to get people comfortable with the concept that, hey, 
I mean, certainly there are some mushrooms and plants that you should be aware of because they can harm you, but it's not like every, it's not like there's a plant and a mushroom all hiding out there ready to jump in your basket. And kill you. <laughs> it's, I mean, for the, I would say 90% of the mushrooms that, that you come across in the woods are perfectly fine. And although they may not all be palatable and delicious, they're not going to harm you or kill you. Um, it's a relative few species that present the vast majority of incidents annually. So Mike, I have a question with regards to kind of best practices, because I think that, you know, one, uh, foraging has kind of become cool. Like I think that a lot of people are kind of trying it kind of on their own and thinking I can go out and do this on my own without right. the, um, the expertise of a guide like yourself. And so people are out in the woods doing this kind of thing. And I'm just wondering if there's any best practices that we should really be considering if we are going to be going out and doing this individually without the experienced guide like you. Well, I, I think if people, you know, start with the basic, some of the more basic mushrooms, um, you know, there's often you'll, uh, you'll hear a term in the mushroom community of like the safe six or the safe seven. And it's six or seven mushrooms that really don't have any toxic lookalikes. Um, they're not, they're very easy to identify. They have characteristics that make them easy to identify. Um, and you know, get your feet wet with that where you, where you, you know, you know, you're not going to get in any trouble. And, and that usually wets people's appetites. And they're like, well, that was pretty cool. I've got, you know, six or seven mushrooms I can look for all year long. What else is out there? And that's usually, you know, people tend to either come to our classes when they're brand new, they haven't learned anything if they're just starting. Or when they get to that point where they've sort of exhausted the easy stuff and they want to find out a little more detail about some some more interesting mushrooms. Um, but, um, you know, just tread lightly. Understand that once you get past those sort of initial ones, if you add one mushroom a year, that's mm -hmm. a, a more difficult one to identify. But if you can add one a year that you can positively identify 100% of the time, well, you're doing good. And that's part of what makes it fun. It's a, you know, a little bit like golf in that respect that uh, it takes a lot of practice and it takes time and there's really no way to rush it. It just takes experience. <clears throat> Certainly being with somebody in person that can point out things to you and, and really give you that one-on-one -on -one instruction is, is incredibly helpful. It can really speed up your learning curve by, you know, by a, by a huge amount. But, um, but yeah, be patient, I suppose, would be the, the catchphrase I would use. Mm -hmm. And why do you think it kind of has gotten cool? Like Because or? we're cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, this has been fun for me because when I got into this, nobody did this at all. People would look at me really oddly. And in fact, it was kind of funny because, you know, I'm a guy who I was an executive recruiter. So I'm meeting with, you know, CEOs and CIOs and CFOs and talking smart and wearing suits and ties. <laughs> and, uh, you know, going from, from that to such a complete opposite, um, you know, it's just been, been a really fun journey and, uh, you know, seeing how popular it's become in the, and especially in the past five years, I would say, um, yeah, I would like to think that we have a certain amount to do with that. Yeah, I do think you, so. And do you think it's almost, you know, being type A OCD person that I am, I like to have, like, I like to be productive when I'm out, you know, wandering the forest. You know, I, I like to be able to, sh you know, have something to show for my time, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of productivity. And I feel like this is such a perfect, like you're out for a hike, but you're, 
you're being productive. You are, you know, you're on a mission and you can come back and have something to show for your time in the woods. So for those people out there who are afraid to just go hike for the fun of it, like this actually is a task that you can cross off your to-do list. Um, I feel like for people who have a hard time just relaxing, this would be a, a, a nice, like a, you know, uh, yeah, uh, it, it really is. It, it gets people to slow down. And one of the things I love to do is, you know, stand in the middle of some remote area with people and, and encourage them to just, you know, grab a piece of log to sit on for a minute and just, just be quiet and just look around you and spend some time absorbing the moment that you're in. Mm-hmm. And it sounds sort of cheesy and corny, but uh, it's, it's a very powerful experience. <laughs> people realize how much of their life they go through without noticing so mm-hmm. much of what's around mm-hmm. them. And um, yeah, it's a powerful, it's a powerful moment for a lot of people. I think it, it and there's so many aspects, even when I'm out, uh, one of the things I love is I hate working out at the gym. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't want to go to the gym. It's not my thing, uh, but I need to exercise. And when I'm foraging, I'm walking 10 to 15 miles a day. Mm-hmm. And that's a really, you know, when I'm, when I'm in 90 degrees and oh I'm carrying gosh. 20 pounds of mushrooms in a basket and I'm, you know, traversing through um, a remote area with lots of fallen timber and, you know, it's not easy walking. Um, yeah. I'm often thinking to myself at times, wow, this is such a great workout, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm in this beautiful, um, you know, this beautiful workout arena. And yeah. I, yeah, well, and it really, and it really does take you off the beaten path. You know, like right. when we think about, you know, when I go for a hike, I'm sticking to a trail typically, but this really, in order to find the goods, you have to go off the beaten path and explore places that other people probably haven't explored before. Absolutely. Uh, that's another thing that really, the, the, the weird things that excite Mike, but when you're standing somewhere <laughs> and you're, and you're realizing, I doubt anybody has stood here, maybe ever, mm. we don't know, but mm-hmm. certainly almost never Um, and you're looking at these these areas of beauty in minnesota people by the way would be very surprised at the diversity of our wooded forests in minnesota and how you know from from southeast minnesota um in the driftless areas to you know far northern minnesota it's you know there's kind of a little bit of everything um but it's just full of beauty and it's, it's the kind of thing that you can look at and go, wow, this is something like you might see in national geographic. Only I'm standing here looking at it. And it's a, hmm. uh, again, it's a really rewarding, cool feeling. Yeah. So far we've talked about mushrooms, like being edible and they need to worry about poisonous mushrooms and things like that. But I've also been doing a little, you know, I've been kind of keeping up or trying to on the fact that mushrooms now are being used for, you know, like, um, like leather products, um, uh, and, and, um, like, as you were mentioning carbon secret sequestration, wow, that's hard for me to say. Um, but all of these other uses, I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about what you might know about how mushrooms are being used in other industries or, um, yeah, I mean, you know, mushrooms and and fungi in general are used in many products and have been for you know if you drink beer or wine you're you know fungi is a part of that if you're eating bread fungi is a part of that and so that number one there's a lot of food products that people are probably you know uh, unaware uh, that fungi have a, a direct important 
part in creating that product. Um, but also, you know, the more that we study a lot of these mushrooms, the more we learn about their potential um, healthy attributes and abilities to help us fight off things like cancer or things like high blood pressure or, you know, a myriad of, of maladies that people experience. And I, I think that's another thing that was super exciting to me when I began cultivation was I felt like it was one of the last frontiers of science. We don't, we don't really have a lot of mycologists in general, and we definitely don't have a lot of field mycologists that spend a lot of time in the woods. We have a lot of academic mycologists or more academic mycologists that are busy doing studies. I'm sure they're important, but, um, and so it's interesting, like how much we have to learn and just based on the little tidbit that we, that we have learned, it's incredibly exciting. I mean, uh, mushrooms like lion's mane, uh, a genus called Heresium, they've been really taking a keen look at over the past, especially over the past five years, for its ability to stave off, um, you know, brain function and the deterioration of brain function as we all age. And of course, you know, the, the dreaded Alzheimer's that comes to so many people with age. Uh, and they have some very promising studies that show consuming this mushroom, number one, believe it or not, actually makes you smarter. Mm. Uh, it, it allows your brain's synapses to make more connections quicker, easier. Um, and, it, and very interesting, when people stop eating it on the, on the dosage that they give it to them at, um, that ability drops again. So, you know, they they, they know that this is that they don't know exactly why that's what they're studying, but they know that there is a direct correlation to that. Um, And they've also done studies specifically with people that are experiencing um, sort of the front end symptoms of uh, of Alzheimer's and dementia. And um, again, they they test significantly better on standardized Alzheimer's tests than people that are outside of the test group. And so there's, there's a lot of promise there. We developed a food product that we debuted at the Minnesota State Fair last year that we called Brain Butter. Uh, my mother died of Alzheimer's. And so I was looking for thinking in terms of, well, I don't know that people are gonna go, go find lion's mane mushroom because it's not generally available many places. Um, and even if it was, you know, people are probably not gonna eat a mushroom every day of the week. Um, so how do we deliver this to people in a super easy way? So, you know, we put it in a peanut butter. And so every oh, morning cool. you can put some peanut butter on a piece of toast or a bagel or make some peanut butter cookies or, you know, however you might use peanut butter, you've got a daily dose of lion's mane in there too. So I think, I think there's a lot of potential. Um, of course, since we're on the front end, it also brings up a lot of like, you know, sort of charlatans uh, that want that want to make it sound like every mushroom has a direct impact on curing cancer, um, which it doesn't. I mean, not, they're not miracle cures, but, um, but there's enough good studies out there from reputable institutions to show that, yeah, there, there are definitely promising um, compounds within many of these mushrooms that if we can unlock the reasons why could, could not only lead, uh, to great breakthroughs in, in science and health, um, but can, can really add to people an easy way for people to, to stay healthy, generally more healthy through, just through diet. So cool. So yeah. it's great for the human body and great for the planet. 
Yeah, it's a little bit about that. Yeah, it's uh, you know, as I mentioned on the front end, uh, mushrooms' primary purpose is to break down carbon matter. So, you know, any piece of wood, any leaf, any blade of grass, anything made of carbon, uh, the purpose is for fungi to eat it uh, and break it down and eventually return, you know, return that carbon to to the soil. Um, you know, it's 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 an absolute hinge pin to to humanity and to life on earth and and um yeah it's a it's a endlessly fascinating a bit like a snake eating its tail the more you learn about it the more interested you become the more you want to learn about it yeah and how is so i would love to know i mean is there a role when we talk about climate change we talk about the planet changing I mean, is there a secret sauce? I mean, are, mush- are mushrooms a secret weapon that maybe we haven't discovered yet in that re- in that realm? Well, you know, mushrooms are, um, are are a bit of a sponge of the environment too. So, for instance, one of the things we talk about in our classes is, hey, if you're on the golf course and you see some beautiful mushroom, or you're in some industrial area and you see some beautiful mushroom, or the side of a busy road. Um, you don't really want to pick that mushroom because it's absorbing everything in its environment and you're going to be eating that. So if you're picking it off the side of a busy road, there are chances are very high that there are heavy metals and, <laughs> and bad things that you're eating with that mushroom. We're on a golf course. They, they're heavily fertilized. And so there are, again, chemicals within that mushroom. So the concept that mushrooms can be a bit of a filter um, is definitely something that people are looking at and studying. Um, I know Stamets did a small study uh, at the Fukushima power plant uh, in Japan. Uh, and, you know, oyster mushrooms, for instance, are capable of, of absorbing that radiation. Hmm. Um, and so instead of doing remediation where you're literally removing soil, and cleaning the soil, and then returning the soil, which you can imagine is like, completely impractical if it's a massive area um what if you could just plant mushrooms get mushrooms to grow there and the mushrooms would absorb that toxic those toxic compounds and then you throw the mushrooms away um wouldn't wouldn't that be uh you know a cool effective way to go at it so it's entirely possible and again i mean that's that's one of the things that's so interesting there's just we just don't have enough studies there to know exactly how or exactly what the limitations are or whether or not you can scale it in such a way that it can impact the environment. Um, but, but there's a great promise to it. Hmm. That's fascinating. Absolutely. So when you're out in the world and you're on your hikes and you're discovering all of um, this bounty, are you noticing any changes in the environment um, from when you started to now? Um, as you can imagine, because of the business I'm in, I often have conversations with different people about, you know, the environment in general and climate change is certainly a big topic in that. And I, I probably have a divergent opinion from many, um, which is, do I see change? Yes, I see change. Um, but that's very relative, you know, um, my lifetime is such a sliver such a minute moment in the in the timeline of humanity that whatever I see or you see, in my opinion, has there's we cannot base anything anything we see in our lifetime on, on anything really. I mean, it's it's evolution. And the world is constantly evolving. 
And we all live in a society where we want change to happen at our direction and on our terms and on our timeline, because we're important and we're smart and we think we we can control everything. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But the reality is uh, we're not that smart. And in my opinion, we cannot control everything. Mm -hmm. And things like climate change can be scary to people. Um, especially depending upon what your news source might be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but on the other hand, I, I don't, I really don't see it that way. You know, um, we can name off a myriad of examples of evolution. And, um, and by the way, humans are animals and animals are part of evolution. And the things that we choose to do that affect the environment are no different than what a deer or an antelope or a bird or anything else does that also affects the environment. Again, because we sort of consider ourselves all-knowing and omnipotent, I think we we tend to not think about it in that terms. But I, I feel pretty strongly about that. I, I want everybody to be a, a good steward of the environment and be conscious about the things that we can do to help our environment. And certainly, you know, like a Hippocratic oath, do no harm to the environment. But I think the concept that any one individual or even collectively, we can change the environment. I'm, I'm not there. I'm not. And, and, you know, maybe technology helps us in certain ways um, that potentially could benefit us. But, um, you know, the world will continue to evolve long after I'm gone, long after we're all gone, before, after, forever. Um, whether that's weather, whether that's what plants are now considered invasive in Minnesota because they didn't exist. And I think, well, of course, and that happens through all of eternity, right? I mean, the, the plants that existed uh, anywhere in the world 100 years ago or 200 years ago or 500 years ago are very different than the plants that exist today. It doesn't mean it's good or bad. It's evolution and, and things are in a constant state of change. Um, so I'm, I'm personally comfortable with with whatever you know sort of minor changes that i see that take place from year to year um i'm reminded last year for instance we had one of the worst droughts we've had in minnesota in a very long time it's a terrible season for mushroom hunting um and it reminded me of the last time this happened which was i think about uh you know 30 years ago or so uh i remember it very clearly (laughs) because my entire lawn died uh, there was no way to keep it and you know you couldn't water anything and it's just it was a horrible drought so things happen do we have droughts that you know we have floods we have uh, all of that and uh and i prefer to to look at it as just another example of evolution hmm. that's a fascinating perspective it really know. is <clears throat> yeah it's very peaceful also yeah, yeah, I don't, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, what do you guys think? Is it possible that some collective brain trust has figured out how to control the amount of gases in the air that's around the world? That just doesn't seem logical to me. Um, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that we aren't thoughtful about what we are dumping into the environment, right? Um, but there's something in between those two, <laughs> right? There's something in between, doesn't matter what you do, you can do anything. And, oh, my God, you know, all of us better start doing all of these things or the world will come to an end. There's something in between there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's I mean, I think it's it's a topic that is still very much it's it's so fluid. You know, there is no 
we're all searching for answers and we're all trying to, I mean, I just, I think it's a big, um, it's going to take a lot of different perspectives and a lot of different ideas to, to, to figure out this puzzle. And yeah, and maybe at the end of the day, it isn't a puzzle for us to figure out. It's, it's, um, yeah. And I, yeah, yeah I, I, I agree. It's, uh, and, and it's, I love having the conversations mm -hmm. with, yeah. with, um, but unfortunately, like so many things in our lifetime here, especially in the past 20 years, everything has become so political mm -hmm. that I think a lot of people feel uncomfortable yeah. having any kind of divergent opinion. Agree. I absolutely agree. And I think it's important to be open-minded to right. all different points of view on all different, different topics, because right. When it's when we dig in our heels and we, we feel like I'm going to be canceled if I say something or if I, you know, if I have an alternative viewpoint, right. Um, I just think that's, that's the and way. By the way how boring is that? Imagine if we all lived our lives that way from the beginning of humanity, <laughs> imagine where we'd be right now. I think we'd probably still be, you know, carrying around clubs and, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's, that's right. just not a way to well, advance our society. Well, there, uh, there needs to be, yeah, there needs to be psychological safety for people to offer ideas that they, and, and to be open to failure and to be opening, open to trying things that might fail, but then you learn from those things. And, um, and without that, though, that psychological safety to say something and try something new, um, where that progress just won't happen. Yep, That's right. what this right. moment in time is for, though. It's for problem solving and it's for innovation. You know, it's mm -hmm. for, I mean, and that's what being, I think, human is, is mm -hmm. giving us an opportunity to look at our environment or look at a problem and figure out how we can try to not, and we may not solve it, but we can try to make it better. So like the world is more habitable for like the next generation or mm -hmm. that we are being a great steward of the environment. Because if we just give up and accept like this is just like this evolutionary pro process, then like, what's the point? Well, that, that, I agree. And that then back to, to the statement that there's something in between, right? Right. There's like most people would not suggest that, you know, that's yeah, fine if you want to dump oil in your backyard and pollute the lakes and you know most normal people would never agree to something like that um that's one end of that spectrum and you know on the other end is uh if only we would listen to these 10 people who have mm -hmm. decided that they know how to fix the world um everything will be okay and that that's equally ridiculous um you know there's something in between and i i would hope that rational people can can make that you know can come to that conclusion and continue having rational dialogue to explore that. I mean, science is is a, a process of discovery, mm -hmm. of discovery. And if everybody thinks they already have the answer, well, then you're really not pursuing science, are you? You're, you're really sort of having a, a closed loop debate with yourself. Uh, not not terribly effective to advance any particular position, except to those who already agree with you. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Oh, Mike, I feel like we should go for coffee. I know. I was just saying, I feel like we need to have a over beers. Problems, good yeah. Here, right? <laughs> yeah, I want to. I yes, I feel like a beer with some mushrooms. Yeah, in it. exactly. Mushroom beer. Yeah, You guys will have to come to one of our gentlemen forger happy hour get-togethers. Oh yes, please. <laughs> okay, That's I have amazing. I have another question, and it isn't related to climate change. It is sure. related to what? When do you use the word mushroom? or fungi? And then also, is it fungi or fungi? 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> is it all the same? It's all the same. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, it's, uh, I use fungi when I want to sound smart. Okay. Uh, I use mushrooms to most people. Okay. Uh, and if I'm talking to my daughter lives in the UK, I might say fungi. <laughs> oh, I haven't heard that one. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, they're just all different, different terms for the same thing. Okay. Love it. Got it. Got yeah. it. Got it. Well, Mike, this has been amazing. I feel like we could talk to you all day about this, but um, see, yeah, I'm kind of running out of time. So <laughs> I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I'm excited to have some beer with mushrooms or fungi or fun yeah. bee in it. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and and it's, and we'll put your website on our website and in the show notes. So if people, listeners, you want to figure out how to uh, get on the gentleman foraging bandwagon, you can that find would all be, that info. That would be fantastic. And we, yeah. Uh, what's what's your Instagram handle? Our, well, I'm sorry? What's your Instagram? Our Instagram is uh, at gentleman forage. I couldn't get the R in. Simple. Yeah, but um, yeah, people—it's the right time too. Uh, we have our our annual Shroomapalooza coming up very soon, so that's a that's one of those weekend things where it's it's kind of glamping, you know. You have the the great chef from the cities and a couple live bands playing music at night, but yet you're camping. <laughs> nice. When <laughs> is fun. that? That is uh, July. I believe it's July fifteenth. So okay. whatever weekend mm. is right around that. But if you Take a look at the website. All the information is there for folks. Yeah. Great. Oh my gosh. I bet it's so fun. Oh, I just try and figure out things that I really like to do and hopefully other people want to come join me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're on to something because I, it seems from attending one of your events previously years ago. Uh, yeah. People really enjoy themselves. So well, that's great to hear. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for being with Thank us. Mike. Yes. And fun, Jody. Too. We'll do it Jody's again. Yeah, Jody, let's. Jody, do you want to take us out with some uh, some inspo? So I just grabbed a quote from the movie Fantastic Fungi, 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 whatever you say, however you say it. And it was, it's kind of beautiful because you mentioned this too, Mike. You said it's just below your feet. And so that's kind of how this it, it ends up. It Basically, um, imagine an organism that feeds you, heals you, reveals nature's mysteries and could help save the planet today. It's right under your feet. Hmm. Powerful. I love that. Yeah. And Mike, you're helping. You're making all of this. Yeah. You're making all this possible for us. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, you guys. Thank you all. And to our listeners, thank you. Thank you so so much for joining us. Uh, And don't forget to have fun out there. We Do This For Fun is supported by 515 Productions, a high-end video production business based in Minneapolis. The website is 515productions.com. And did you know that Jody is also a health and wellness coach? Check out her website at jodygruen.com. If you like this podcast, we love your support. Please rate and review us and hit subscribe. Learn more about us at wedothisforfun.com. As always, we welcome your questions and feedback. Email us at wedothisforfun at gmail.com. We'll be dedicating future episodes to answering your questions. So let her rip, whether it's about gear purchases or tampons and IBS in the wilderness. We do not judge. We promise we've been there, done that. Nothing is off the table. And thanks for listening.